the transfer portal is as big a part of college basketball as just about any aspect of roster building at this point in time. And it's been a very, very busy offseason for Syracuse with regards to the transfer portal. Three players out, four players in. We break it all down and do a little bit of a transfer portal summary on today's episode of Locked on Syracuse. Let's get right into it. Our Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's happening? Welcome into your Monday episode of Locked On Syracuse. I'm, I'm Owen Valentine saying, hey, thank you so much for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen today and every day. Free and available wherever you get podcasts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your Monday episode, and unfortunately, before we get into transfer talk, we start with a little bit of somber news from Friday. Jim Brown, one of the all-time greatest football players in history, not just at Syracuse, but in the country, in the NFL, in football as a whole, passed away at 87 years old, an absolute icon, a guy that did so much in terms of establishing Syracuse and their run to become the eventual national champions and establishing the 44 in the lacrosse field as well. A guy that did so much, it is hard to summarize what he was able to do in terms of pure athlete, in terms of inspiration, in terms of guys that did what you needed them to do. Uh, Jim Brown will be missed without a doubt. Uh, You could say he's the GOAT for the purpose of today. We're going to say he's the GOAT. I will put my hand up and say, I do not personally feel like I can necessarily speak on Jim Brown as well as many other people. There is some incredible uh, news articles and, and written pieces and you know even video, audio, things like that uh, that can do a far better job of encapsulating the legacy of Jim Brown. So I, I feel like as a kid that's 23, 24, uh, who did not watch Jim Brown play, who was not a part of that era of football, I don't feel like I can speak to this as well as many other people. So for today, I am going to say take some time out of your day, do some reading on what other people uh, have been able to do in terms of encapsulating one of the most incredible athletic careers that you could possibly fathom uh, and also impossibly the GOAT in the NFL. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, but I, I'm going to say go elsewhere for that info, which is probably not the, the greatest thing for me to say in terms of this. But I, I do genuinely feel like for, for the best content on Jim Brown and, and this news, you are, you're better off uh, going elsewhere. So that's what I'll say. Maybe I get in a little trouble for saying that, but it is what it is. Uh, today, We're going to talk a little bit of a happier note. We're going to talk a little about the transfer portal, because as we said, and as we will continue to say, the transfer portal is one of the most pivotal, important 
elements of college basketball at this point in time. It is crucial. It is as important, if not more important, as genuine and actual recruiting because the portal uh, typically leads to guys that end up being much more successful because they are a little bit more experienced. They've got collegiate experience. They know what things are happening. Uh, And you've got a little bit more of an idea of how these high school skill sets and these AAU skill sets that you get to watch translate to the next level. And, And so the portal will and is going to be an imperative part of roster building and collegiate athletics for the foreseeable future. And it has been an integral portion of Syracuse's offseason, starting from just about the day that the transfer portal opened up. So today's episode is going to be a little bit of a recap of everything that has happened in terms of the transfer portal for Syracuse so far this offseason. As we said on our Friday episode, with the addition of Kyle Cup Jr., the roster is set until we know what happens with Judah Mintz. The roster exists. We know what the 13 scholarship players are. There's not guys that are coming in, and it is too late to depart at this point in time. The only question mark in terms of will there be another spot regards, or is with regards to Judah Mintz. Does he stay in the NBA draft? Does he withdraw his name before the 31st? All of these questions, uh, you know, crucial to, to figuring out if Syracuse needs to find one more player or if Judah is coming back uh, and, you know, really likely setting Syracuse up for an incredible season uh, in this new campaign as we, uh, you know, continue to look at the roster in the offseason here. First and foremost, you lose three guys, right? Simeon Torrance, John Bolajak announced with three weeks left in the season that he was going to be transferring next season. Joe Girard. So those are your three guys that are out, right? Simeers in Binghamton, John Bolajak, we're not sure yet, Joe Girard to Clemson. You bring four guys in via the transfer portal, and one of which, and J.J. Starling, was an immediate splash. I don't even think it was 24 hours between when J.J. put his name in the portal and when he said he was coming to Syracuse. It was instant. We were still trying to piece together what the post-Jim Beheim era of basketball would look like, and 24 hours after that, J.J. Starling comes to Syracuse and decides he is transferring to play Syracuse basketball with new head coach Adrian Autry. Then a couple weeks go by, and you get another big-time name in the portal, a guy that you were in the ranks for and in the top fives for, in the conversation for the first time around, but a guy in Chance Westry comes from Auburn to Syracuse. This is a guy that is got four years of eligibility left and is basically coming in with all intents and purposes like a true freshman in terms of eligibility, which is pretty cool because Syracuse only had one guy, still has one guy in the 2023 class in William Patterson. Then a couple more weeks go by. Jesse Edwards departs. Why did I leave that out? I apologize. Jesse Edwards also transfers out. Uh, Thank God I realized that before I had a whoops. Uh, Jesse to West Virginia, obviously. So four out and four in. Let me refresh that number. Uh, But when you look at this and and you look at Jesse going out, you you needed to fill that role and you needed a big man. And there were some guys that came up in conversation. And then you started to see Naheem McLeod. 
a guy that torched Syracuse when they played this past season, putting up 16 and 8, his best game of the year by far. Syracuse reached out to him immediately when he enters his name into the portal. He cuts a visit on the on the agenda almost immediately. Comes on the pod, we talk to him, comes to visit Syracuse for a weekend, goes on a brief visit to Mississippi State. Then he was going to announce on Tuesday of last week. He said, no, no, I'll just do it Monday. Uh, and so Naeem McLeod comes to Syracuse. And then the shock, uh, the surprise one, the one that you weren't necessarily expecting because all of these other transfers, there were some rumblings. There was the Syracuse has reached out to so-and-so. There was a Syracuse has made the top five for so-and-so. There was content. There were visits. There were things like that that led up to this. Unless I miss something, Kyle Cup Jr. transferring in from Kansas came out of the blue. But a guy that then has some potential in terms of what can happen next season. We're going to take a quick break right now. After the break, we are going to discuss the type of impact that you could get from all of these transfers in coming next season. What type of role might they play? How can they contribute immediately? Or is it more of a passive investment uh, to look at this sort of in a, a stock markety type way? Uh, but before that, we are going to talk about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, you got to try the best tasting protein bar ever. It is built. If you're like me and you want to try healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, we've got just the thing for you. They're built bars and they're built puffs. They're healthy and they taste amazing. So good, you won't think they're good for you. You got to try it. And what makes built bars so good? They're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right. It's real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors. Churro peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. I don't know how they do it, but they taste like candy and they've got amazing macros, 130 calories, four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club well, you can still get your specialty flavors over at Built.com. So go to your nearest Walmart, your nearest Sam's Club or the traditional. All right, Owen oh, Valentine here on your Lockdown Syracuse Monday episode, talking a little bit of a transfer portal recap for Syracuse in the offseason so far. Four guys out in Symer, John Bull, Joe Girard, and Jesse Edwards. Four guys in in J.J. Starlin, Chance Westry, Naheem McLeod, and Kyle Cuff Jr. So right now, we take a look at the four guys that are in. We've discussed the guys that are gone. We know what's going on with them, and for what it's worth, at this point in time, we don't need to look at them, right? They're, they're, they're their own thing. The guys you need to focus on are the ones that are here, the ones that are comprising this roster that is established for the time being for the 23-24 campaign. And you got four guys in here, and three of them are very, very likely, I would be surprised if they weren't, three of them are going to be starters on day one for Syracuse. That is the type of impact these transfers will have. And I, I forget if the, the stat held up, but I remember Jeff Goodman put out a tweet about midway through last season talking about the impact of the top 100 recruits in college basketball going into last season versus the impact 
of the top 100 transfers in college basketball last season. And the stats were pretty alarming. The transfers in the top 100, I believe at this point in time, or at that point in time of the tweet, were about five or six times more likely to be averaging double figures scoring-wise than your top 100 recruits. Five times more likely to be double-digit scoring than your top 100 recruits. That is the impact that transfers have. That is, they're a little bit more of a shoo-in. You know what you're getting. You know a lot of the answers that remain questions when these guys come in from high school. And their impact can be far and beyond more relevant than a lot of these recruits. Not that recruits are not big-time players. Not that they're not going to be able to score, have great careers. But in terms of likelihood, that statistical analysis or the statistics that they looked at show that you can get a little bit more likely of an odds, maybe. You know, we're going to talk FanDuel in a little bit. You're going from a a plus 200 player to a a minus 110, if you will, right? Someone that's 50-50 versus a bit more of a long shot. And you've got what looks like some really good pieces in terms of immediate impact and guys that fit into that double-figure scoring category. The first one is J.J. Starlin. And you talk about role. You talk about what type of player you think he's going to be. J.J. Starling, for all intents and purposes, is going to be and is going to be needed as a leader, a facilitator, a day one starter, a 30 plus minutes per game type player, a guy that you can expect to average 10 to 15 points a game. It's a guy that averaged just about double figures at Notre Dame last season, a team that struggled, a team that you know, you thought maybe at the start of the year looked a lot better than they ended up looking. He's a guy that as a true freshman had to take a far elevated role in terms of scoring and facilitating and doing that than you might have anticipated him needing to do, which I think helps Syracuse because I feel like Syracuse has some very solid pieces right now. And with that experience of needing to facilitate, of needing to take on a heightened offensive role, It will make Starling's job all that much easier with some of the pieces that Syracuse has in terms of supplementing uh, J.J. Starling at the one. I think this is a guy that can come in. And I am saying he starts at the point guard if Judah Mintz leaves, which at this point I am leaning towards him departing from Syracuse. But if he comes back, that mixes things up. I think he starts at the two. But right now, I would say it's incredibly likely that J.J. Starling on day one of the season is your starting point guard. And I think that is about as solid of a replacement for Judah Mintz as you can find. Are there some guys in the, you know, true freshmen coming in with better potential? Sure. Are there some other guys in the portal that could have done better than than J.J. in replacing Judah? Not a ton. Very, very few that I think you could place above him in terms of replacement. If any, there might even be an argument for. This is the best replacement for Judamints that you can find. I think their play styles are very similar. Both can get to the rim. Both can finish at the rim. 
JJ's jump shot, the three could improve, but he can create for himself. He can create for others. I think there are a lot of parallels to their game. And I think what you have in JJ Starling is really, really solid. We'll keep going in order in terms of the timeline. Next, you got a guy in Chance Westry. And Chance, I believe, if J or if Judah comes back, is going to be your sixth man off the bench, or is going to be that third guard that'll rotate through. Judah leaves. I believe Chance Westry is your starting two guard on day one of the season. He is a guy that you you don't really necessarily know what to expect from at this point. And I know I just talked about how your transfers are typically a little bit more understood, a little bit more well-known in terms of what they can do. Westry comes in with a little bit more of a question mark, and that is a result of, you know, last season he played through injury, and he, he battled through injury and struggled a little bit in that regard, and you didn't really get to see what you wanted to see from him. That leaves some questions. I think he's your starting two guard. He struggled shooting from three last season, and I believe an 0 for 14 clip. I don't think that's indicative of him as a three-point shooter. I think that's small sample size. I think that's playing through injury. Uh, I think that might be lack of confidence at that point. When you're playing hurt and you're not making shots, that can take a mental toll. This is also a guy that was playing a little bit out of position at Auburn. They wanted him to be a point guard. I don't think he is a point guard. They wanted him taking the ball up the court. I don't think that's his skill set. I don't think his ball handling screams point guard as much as it screams two, maybe even a three, when you consider the size that he's got, the height that he has. I see him as a guy that can also create for himself, put the ball on the floor, get to the rim. I think his three-point shot is going to be fine. I don't think the 0% on 14 attempts is going to tell you what he's doing from beyond the arc next season by any means. I think he can shoot the ball fine. And I think he fits this idea and this ideal that Adrian Autry has been putting out into the open. And that we want to be, you know, a rekindled Syracuse basketball team that's fiery, that's ready to roll, that wants to get out and run, that wants to move, that wants to push the tempo as much as they can. He's a guy that fits that role and J.J. Starling as well, tremendously well. And I think you can see that immediately as this two-man duo is theoretically going to be your two starting guards on day one, barring, you know, Judah coming back and surprising a lot of people coming back. This is likely 60, 65, maybe even 70 minutes a game between the two of them. Doesn't seem that far-fetched. I think JJ is going to average 35-plus a game. And I think Chance is going to average just about 30 would be my assumption with guys like Justin Taylor, with guys like Quadir Copeland, uh, with a guy like Kyle Cuff maybe we'll get to in a second, supplementing those remaining 15 minutes. All right, let's take one more break. And then on the other side, we'll continue to talk about the impacts. Now, J.J. and Chance, we, we kind of know, and Naheem McLeod as well, we've got an idea of. But Kyle Cuff has probably the biggest question mark in terms of what his impact could be. Uh, we'll take a look at that after we talk a little bit about FanDuel Sportsbook. 
Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. They've got great promos every day. Just yesterday on Sunday, I mentioned I was at the PGA Championship, and I saw a little odds-boosted promo on the FanDuel Sportsbook. It was from plus 150 up to plus 200. It was Scotty Scheffler and it was Brooks Kepka to both finish under par over at Oak Hill. Sprinkle a little bit on there. Oh, and did that cash. Well, plus 200. You'll love it. The promos are fun. They've got a safe and secure app, and I've already got the money in my account that I made from yesterday. How about that? That is why there's no better place to bet all of the playoff action and America's number one sportsbook. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on. Get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, final stretch here on your Locked On Syracuse Monday episode. We talked the impact in the role that JJ Starling will have, we talked the impact in the role that Chance Westry will have. Now let's get into some of the more recent commits, the guys from last week that decided to transfer to Syracuse. And the first one is Naheem McLeod. And Naheem McLeod at seven foot four strikes me as the guy that is your starting five. I don't think you're reaching out to McLeod and getting him in, on a promise that he's going to be a role player off the bench. That doesn't strike me as what I think he can do. And it doesn't strike me as something that I think he would want to do. I think Naheem McLeod is really in control of his own destiny here. I think the number of minutes that Naheem McLeod gets per game is directly reliant on his performance. And that sounds like an incredibly blatantly obvious thing to say. But what I mean is, I think McLeod could start 40 minutes or play all 40 minutes if he wants to. And if he comes out and he stays out of foul trouble, he comes out and he shows that when you elongate his stat lines over 40 minutes instead of 10 or 15, he's putting up eight points a game, maybe double-figure rebounds a game. If that's the case, I think he gets Jesse's minutes. If he comes to Syracuse and that's not necessarily the case, the fouls are an issue, uh, he's not scoring, things like that, then I think you're going to see him cycle through a little bit more. I don't really see a way right now where Naheem McLeod doesn't start 30 games for Syracuse next season. I would be astonished if he didn't. He seems like the starter, and for him to lose this starting spot, you would need to see an absolutely tremendous surprise from one of the three, Monir Hema, Peter Carey, and William Patterson. What I see with McLeod, too, that I like, and we can talk about this again, is McLeod comes in with two years of eligibility left. And I think that is exactly what you need in terms of the timetable for Peter Carey and the timetable for William Patterson. It seems really, really effective in terms of what you saw from Jesse, right? First freshman, sophomore year, got some potential, things like that. Junior, senior year, really, really found his game. It's a great timetable. And you saw Jesse develop behind Barama at this point. Well, no offense to Barama, but Barama Sidibe is not the same thing that maybe you look at when you've got Naheem McLeod. Or maybe you look at him and you say, hey, they're the same player. 
I think McLeod is far better than Barham. I want that established. I want that on the table. I don't want anyone questioning that in my regard. I think McLeod, with these guys playing underneath him, sets up a really nice timetable for what the next couple of years can have in terms of growth, in terms of seeing that improvement that you saw with Jesse. Maybe even throw in a, a guy in the class of 2024 for our everydayers. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. See you on our Tuesday episode. Uh, but that is what I see for Naheem McLeod. So you got three day one starters in the portal and three guys that I assume will start every game for Syracuse, barring Judah Mintz coming back, barring something really, really unforeseen. Those are three everyday starters that you will see for 30 games apiece next season, barring injury, barring something really, really unforeseen. Fourth guy you get in the portal is a little bit more of a hmm in Kyle Cuff Jr. It's a guy that redshirted. He is a national champion, redshirted Kansas's national championship season, and then had an injury last, last year. Says he's been playing for the last couple of months, says he feels good, feels healthy. But when I look at JJ, when I look at Chance Wester, when I look at guys like Quidier Copeland, guys like Justin Taylor, I see Kyle Cuff potentially getting into the mix of reserve guys in year one. Right? This is a guy that could possibly have four years of eligibility. Will have three, could have four. Cuff strikes me as more of a longer term thing where you're going to need to see a little bit of growth in year one. And then in year two, say J.J. Starling leaves, goes pro. That's the potential Starling has. Then you see Cuff slot in a little bit more. At the same time, Elijah Moore coming in. So Cuff, I feel like it is going to be a player that battles for reserve minutes. And I think he's a solid player to have in that role. Because as a guy that was highly sought after out of high school, went to Kansas, right? We know that Kansas takes good players from Syracuse. They've done it twice in this last offseason. Marcus Adams Jr., see ya. Hunter Dickinson, see ya. Kansas brings in top-tier talent nonstop. That's what they do. They're not wasting roster spots on a guy that they don't see with possible success. And Kyle Cuff didn't do great there. but because of injury, because of a redshirt year, never really had the chance to be great. And so I sit with Kyle Cuff, and I'm trying to determine what I assume he can do, and I really don't know, in all honesty. I really don't know what he can do. It could be really, really good, or, as we know, some people don't come back from injury that well. Or maybe it's, it's difficult for him. I see a really, really polarizing spectrum uh, of what Kyle Cuff can do, or a vast spectrum. I don't think it's polarizing. I think it could fall anywhere on that spectrum without question. And so the more I hear about Cuff, the more we're able to look into, the more we see once practices start up, things like that, the better idea we might be able to have about what he can do. That'll do it for our Monday episode of Locked on Syracuse. For more uh, follow along on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. If you've got content that I haven't hit on that you want to hit on, uh, tweet at me over there. Send me a DM. If you're on YouTube, fire off a comment here. Uh, whatever you're listening or watching on, 
I would greatly appreciate if you follow along, if you hit that subscribe button, turn the notifications on, leave a review, whatever. Uh, they go a long way. They help me out tremendously. Uh, and I greatly appreciate hearing from you whenever I do. Tomorrow, I think we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting outside of the transfer portal. I saw an article talking about how Donnie Freeman, the big-time recruit, top 40 guy, is not done yet. Wants to do a little bit of recruiting for Syracuse because his boys at Team Takeover in the Nike EYBL circuit and far beyond, he's got a lot of connections. And he does not want to play without those connections. And it has a very, very good possibility of bringing in an absolute additional stud for Syracuse basketball. We'll talk about that on your Tuesday episode for those everydayers. Uh, I will see you then. I'm Owen Valentine. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today and every day. Be kind. Make somebody smile. Have a great day. And I will catch you tomorrow. Peace.